0: At kunm.org.
1: This is Generation Justice, and I'm Tamara Kalaki. And I am Jonathan Alonso. Generation Justice is a multimedia movement
2: that trains youth to harness the power of media for social change.
1: Tonight, we discuss a very important issue to all living things in New Mexico, the Gold King Mine Waste Bill. GJ Fellow Polly Deneclaw spoke
2: with youth ambassadors from the Northern Dene Youth Committee, who are local farmers in Shiprock, New Mexico.
3: We need to wake up. No more uranium mining, no more mining at all, because it's destructive. It's leaving scars in the earth.
1: During tonight's show, we will hear more from Zachariah Ben, Kevin Aspis, and Byron Shorty. But first, we'll sit down with Polly for more information about the spill. We will bring you all of that after we hear from our music host, Chantal Gurule, with music that honors our land and all things connected to it.
4: Hey everyone, how's it going? It's me, Chantal Gurule, tonight's music host. The first song will be We Shall Remain. By Cor de Elan. This song is about perseverance and never giving up, and it was picked by Polly. I hope you enjoy it.
0: One morning I woke up and I heard my brother crying. He was screaming so loud you thought someone was dying. Mom, Dad, he screamed. But there was no use trying. They
1: were around. To help us understand what is happening to the communities along these contaminated rivers, we are joined by Polly Dennetclaw, who is a Generation Justice First Year Fellow. Recently, Polly
2: traveled to the Four Corners area with National Native News to research these various issues with the river contamination. Now here's GJ member Jordan Umversat to talk with Polly. Welcome, Jordan and Polly.
5: Thank you, and thank you, Polly, for joining us tonight to talk about your experience traveling up to the Four Corners area. First, can you please introduce yourself? Hello, uh, my name is Polly Dneklaw, Yaday
6: She'ey, um, I am Meadow People, born for Towering House People. I'm originally from Manilito, New Mexico. I'm a GJ First Year Fellow. I'm also an intern and freelancer for National Native
5: News. And my family has cornfields, and we also have cattle. Great. Um, So you recently traveled up to the Four Corners area with National Native News to cover the Animus River spill. Can you please give us some background to the toxic spill and how it occurred? Yes. So on August 5th,
6: the EPA was conducting an investigation of the Gold King mine. And during that investigation, they spilled 3 million gallons of toxic wastewater into the animus river well originally it was into the cement creek and then that flows into the animus river and the animus river flows into the san juan and some of the contaminants in the water were they were all heavy metals and they included arsenic lead
5: copper aluminum and cadium yikes um so while you were in shiprock what did you see and who did you speak with so
6: I was very lucky and I was very blessed to be able to talk with a lot of the farmers who are personally affected by this. And I also got to talk with um, local Navajo leaders. And so it was really great to get their perspectives and really talk to them about this issue and how it's affecting their community.
5: Um, can you elaborate a little bit more on um, some of the, st- the stories that you witnessed and um, how the communities have been affected by this spill?
6: Yes, so I know a lot of people are really talking about the Shiprock area, but we actually traveled um, into the deeper, more rural parts of the Navajo Nation, and we actually went to three communities, Hulchita, Mexican uh, Mexican Hat, and Oljato. And those communities are in near Monument Valley. They're very small, very rural communities, and they rely heavily on the San Juan for water. And when this happened, um, we talked to a local farmer, his name's his name is Ronnie, and he talked to us about how they already had issues with the water, um, and they hadn't had water in their running water in their homes for, I think, four days is what he said. And then the water got turned back on, and then the contamination happened so they had to shut off the water again and so he was on strict limitation when it came to running water into his home but the other part of that also was he has um, he has sheep horses and also a field and so he didn't have any water to irrigate his field and he also didn't have water for his animals and so he was having to um, drive to the water, the designated water um, fill up and that was putting a strain on him, but also he had to drive out to Bluff, Utah, which is a, an hour away from where he lives to get water to drink. And so it was, um, it really impacted him. And he also told us, told us a story about how there were two water trucks there originally in the morning. And he came and filled up his water barrel, but it was dirty water. And later, you know, we found out that it was actually water that had been from the oil tankers. And so it had oil residue on it. And he had to pressure wash out his water barrel. And so that's one of the the stories from rural Utah, but also along the San Juan in the Shiprock area. Uh, There's... She looks to be about 70 years old, 70-year-old grandma, and her and her daughter have to hand water their cornfield. And so you just see this. She showed us a picture, actually, when I was at the Shiprock Chapter House, and her mom is using bottles of water to singly, like, single-handedly just water each plant. And... uh, I don't know, it's just seeing your elders out there in the cornfield and still trying to save their crops, it's, it's really sad.
5: Yeah, crops and farming are a huge part of um, people who live along the river's life. Could you see any direct effects of that when you were out there?
6: Yeah, a lot of the crops were already drying out. They were already dying and wilting. I've, every farm I visited, that's how it was because they've been without water for two weeks now. And um, I actually talked to another family who decided that they were going to just throw in the towel and cut all their corn stock and use it to feed their animals. Um, So that was one of the the sadder
5: stories. Um, Has the Navajo Nation's response to the toxic spill been different to um, the state and government officials' response? It has been because the Navajo Nation actually hasn't opened
6: the San Juan yet. And so it's still um, it's still closed. It, the Navajo Nation has not allowed farmers or ranchers to use the, San, the water from the San Juan to irrigate their fields or give it to their cattle, whereas in Colorado and New Mexico they have. Um, but a thing to note is that in Colorado, the Animas River is mostly used for recreation, and down in the San Juan it's used to... F- Give water to cattle and to irrigate fields.
5: Can you tell me more about the history of the Gold King Mine and toxic waste that spills into surrounding rivers?
6: Yes. So, the thing about this whole situation is that the Gold King Mine has actually been spilling toxic wastewater into Cement Creek uh, for a while now, and the EPA knew about knew about it. And so, about hundred million gallons a year has been flowing into Cement Creek, and that has been coming down into the San Juan area.
5: It's heartbreaking that this occurs over and over, and there's not much talk about it until it's visibly present in the water and people can actually see the orange toxins, and then it matters. Um, Exactly. So I think a lot of that has to deal with how the media covers and what they choose to cover, and even if they're willing to go up into rural areas, which I think is incredibly important. And I thank you for doing that and coming back and are willing to share that with us. Um, So because you spoke with people who are experiencing the effects of the spill firsthand, um, can you talk about what you've noticed in the media's coverage of this waste spill? So
6: being from a family that has cornfields, my My aunt has a field right now, and we're, as a family, collectively taking care of it. And also, my dad has cattle and horses, and my grandpa has sheep. And what I don't see within mainstream media are those stories about us as indigenous people being connected to our livestock, being connected to our fields, and understanding that at a deeper level than it just being something that has to do with money because for a lot of people especially my family it's not about selling our crops it's not about you know selling our cattle it's just a part of who we are it's a part of our family and that's not being portrayed in mainstream media that connection that deep connection and it's because they're not talking to people within the community, they're only talking to elected leaders. They're only talking to administration, and it's really detrimental to the story. And it's not being told completely. And I'm really glad that you know I got to be able to capture those stories. And you know, National Native News we are a we are a five minute newscast, and we do make it a point to cover stories from an Indigenous perspective. And we tried to capture that as much as possible. And, um, you know, another, another part of this, too, is, like, it's not just a cultural. It's also spiritual. It's about having, you know, pure Tredidine, which is corn pollen, and we use that to pray with. And that comes from corn. Having that and, you know, as Navajo people, as Diné people, we, you know, we're spiritually connected to the corn because that's where we come from. And it's just, there's just so many layers to this story that aren't being told in mainstream media. And I'm just really glad that I'm able to shed a little bit of light on that.
5: Thank you for doing that. I think oftentimes if there's a tragedy or something, the media coverage ends when um, there isn't a concern for tax dollars or anyone being accountable for anything. And these sorts of relationships with the land and... um, stories are just completely left out of the narrative. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, I would just
6: like to add, if anybody wants to stay up to date on this um, story, you can go to the Navajo Nation President's Facebook page. They share a lot of information there. You can also go to Operation, um, I believe it's Yellow Water. Operation Yellowwater, they have a lot of information there. And also National Native News, we've been covering this all week, so you can go go to nativenews.net and it's all there. Um, And also who, um, some of the young people that you'll be hearing later on from the Northern Dene Youth Committee. Um, I got to, as you know, uh, spend some time with them and talk with them. And they are taking donations on their GoFundMe site. So if you look up their Facebook page, you know, support our young people and thank donate to their fund me
5: GoFundMe. Thank you so much, Polly. Yeah,
6: thank you so much, Jordan.
2: Wow, that's um, that's really powerful. Just uh, just kind of growing up in the city my whole life. Just to imagine having to like carry all the water because we have a lot of we have a lot of plants, we have a lot of uh, house animals, and just imagining to have to like shuttle and like just carry all that water by hand. I'm just imagining that how
1: this is affecting so many people it's just it's really shocking and and yeah yeah definitely polly i'm so grateful that you have shared the the community stories with us especially those that aren't covered in the media like you said we those people are aren't usually represented so i'm very happy that you went out there and got to talk to them and be with the people and help them i'm sure that was a very blessed experience to be out there um it's really scary that our life ways are being threatened because, you know, as Pueblo people, we also heavily depend on the water for our ceremonies, for our spiritualness. So it's really great that you got to do that. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I just want to thank you both for being here
2: and just taking the time to explain to us what has happened to these important rivers to so many communities. And it's just it's just shocking to, especially that this has been happening for, so, like, um, just so so long and that the, the environmental the EPA has just known about this for so long. It's just kind of shocking.
1: Yes, Polly, we really appreciate you going out to the Four Corners to document the positive messages of the youth as well. They are definitely important voice voices and we're so happy that we get to share them tonight. And um, to hear those voices, if you stay tuned, um, before that, we pass it on to our music host, Chantal. Our next song is Oats in the Water by Ben Howard. I chose I chose this song
4: because, to me, it feel I feel it's saying no matter what others say, I'm standing my ground. What does it say to you? Let us know on our Twitter page at Gen Justice.
2: Because the Animas and San Juan rivers are such critical parts of Colorado and New Mexico's survivability, it is important to hear from the individuals who are greatly directly affected by this.
1: Now we will hear from members of the Northern Diné Youth Committee, who are also local farmers from Shiprock, New Mexico. Here are Zachariah Ben, Kevin Aspis, and Byron Shorty to share their thoughts with us.
7: My name is Byron Shorty, I'm 23, I'm from Flagstaff. I live here for the summer, and I'm also going to be staying here for a while. Right now, I'm serving as an ambassador for this project.
3: I'm Kevin Aspas, I live here in Shiprog and I'm 20 years old.
0: My name is Zachariah Ben, I am 20 I was born and raised here in Shiprock and I'm a
7: farmer. I'm also an artist too, on the side. The Northern Dineh Youth Committee is probably in its sixth year and it's comprised of youth from about 13 to all the way up to 25 and even beyond that. Um, The idea is simply to be uh, a positive force in this community and in the communities of the Northern Agency of the Navajo Nation and with that Uh, We've done a lot of um, activities this summer to just engage with younger people, uh, and we've provided opportunities for them to help out. Um, This farm was one idea that that started this summer, and it's really our first time uh, doing this type of project. There were also a few other farms that we reached out to uh, elderly uh, who requested help or needed help, and we assisted them in planting and prepping their
3: fields. It's kind of upsetting to to know that they'll lose probably more than half of their crop, or even all of it. Um, a lot of families that live along the river have been farming for generations. My family has been farming for a couple of generations. I know that, and you know, it it hurts to know that if that might happen because our river is tainted with chemicals that spilled from the mine. And, you know, all we can do is just have hope that the rain will come and help us.
7: I did grieve. I did cry. You know, I did cry when the news came out that this this happened to our river. You know, the, the river's our lifeline, our, our bloodline, really. And I cried. You know, I had no more tears after that. I am
0: mad upset angry but who do I blame I'm not able to do anything physically so that won't help I get with my anger and so with that I turned that around and I brought that and turned that into my youth committee and I wanted to do something with our farm and with that, I turned that into a push, into hope and faith, into the future, by implementing new farming techniques within our farm systems, and that was the drip irrigation.
7: It transitions from the previous system, which relied entirely on the on the ditch canal system that that was sourced from the San Juan River, uh, to an irrigation system which is more uh, efficient. It conserves water and it uses pipes, and it's basically a drip system. So we've been trying to develop this project to be in, in, in some ways a demonstration so that the community can see that this works and that they have hope for their crops, you know, even without the San Juan River. And I've
0: been, um, I've known about this idea for a long time, the drip irrigation, and I wanted to help implement that here and of course create a new hope within my community as everybody else's crops are dwindling and they are crying i didn't want to i didn't want to lay down and start crying with them i wanted to be the person on the hill and i want them to drive by and see our crop green and seeing their youth out there for the future I wanted to see our moms, our dads, our grandmas, our grandpas, my brothers, my little brothers. And I wanted them to see our farm and see there's hope. And after we implement these techniques within our farm, I want to be able to go out and help other people and give them this idea so that their crops don't have to die.
7: Coming from the Flagstaff Loop chapter area, um, we have access to the Little Colorado River. And that's not flowing year-round anymore. So a few years back, that stopped being an active source of water for us. And so in some ways, we've had to adapt to a scarcity. And so part of me as an individual, uh, I I see it as this moment right now being an opportunity for us to grow, to build, and to adapt.
3: I never thought that any anything like this would happen. Of course, everyone thinks that, but um, it's just it's hard to put into words. Every single time, there's a lot of times that our people have bounced back. Since the long walks, we've bounced back. Since the livestock reduction, we've bounced back. And now uh, this has happened on uh, Navajo land. I'm hopeful that we will bounce back because net people are strong, resilient people. We've adapted, we've changed, and that's basically all we can do right now and keep, keep our faith strong in the holy people. And, and right now, like I said, we're just trying to, trying to get over that hump, that, that grief of what might happen and push through it. That's what we need to do We just push through it.
7: I know there will be losses, and that will be tough and really there is a point when the EPA has to be accountable for this and we're trying to balance a positive thing with going after something that has hurt that has caused hurt to us and trying to be strong at the same time
3: hope isn't lost there's young people here that are willing to work work for work for our culture and the land especially and protect it because we are all of us, native people, we are the protectors of this earth. We understand our ties to this earth, and it's hard for people to understand that, but you know, eventually they'll come around to understand that.
7: Our generation has always been at risk for being the generation that loses a lot of the cultural teachings. We've always been under a lot of pressure to learn, to reconnect. And to continue our culture and and the traditional way of doing things, and I think the effort that the Northern Genet Youth Committee has shown in the community has really given them hope. Right
0: now, the message is already in action because this is our first year as a youth committee planting our own farm, and with that. 20-plus members of kids, and more than half of that, this is their first time farming. And so with that, the message is already in action. And what I would like to say to those older generations is have hope. Have hope and faith in us younger generation
7: because we are in action already. As a young generation, we're always being told that the future is ours. But really, you know, the present is, is ours. And it's time that we recognize that that we have the ability to do things. And it's within our grasp. It's there, we just need to go after it.
3: The land is our mother. That's the number one thing. If we can't protect our mother, well, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna turn to? You know, we only have one mother in all of our lives and the earth is our mother right now. And this chemical spill that just happened, you know, this is a message that we need to wake up. No more uranium mining, no more mining at all because it's destructive it's leaving scars in the earth and not only does it hurt the earth it hurts us
2: wow that's um that's really powerful just to hear the the youth just so so hopeful and just positive and it's a major tragedy for everyone it's they're losing their crops and the the water is ruined for them it's just it's just really inspiring to hear them just so positive and hopeful about it I just want to say thank you so much to the members of the Northern Dene Youth Committee for sharing your experiences with us tonight. And uh, what you all said was very powerful to me because all of you guys are right. We need to stop mining into the earth and protect our sacred lands.
1: Yeah, thank you, Navajo, Northern Navajo Diné Youth Committee. We really appreciate all of you and all the youth ambassadors and everything that you do. And, and as some of the members were saying, you know, hope isn't lost. I'm so grateful to Zachariah, Kevin, and Byron for motivating me to be hopeful and persevere. And Polly, I also appreciate all the time and energy that you have put into producing this project. Thank you for unifying the voices of the Four Corners. As people of the earth, we all need to stand together.
2: Now back to Chantel for some more great music.
4: This next song is chosen by Jonathan. It's about protecting and the next generation. He believes protecting the water and the land is a big part of protecting the next generation.
8: May these truths, my child, be your roots, my child. May evergreen shoots break through, Earth child. From the southwest to the northwest, kiss All nations rise fearless, free, and wild. Welcome to the motherland of giant dragonflies, where nothing is taken without offerings made.
4: And that was Land of Giant
1: Dragonflies by Lila June, featuring Whisper. Thanks, Chantel. Although there are some serious issues in our environment, the community continues to be resilient and prosper in good things.
2: Here to share some of the good things happening this week are Kenya Alonzo and Edgar Cruz with tonight's community calendar.
8: Good evening. This is the Generation Justice Community Calendar. I'm Kenya Alonzo, one of tonight's calendar hosts.
9: And I'm Edgar Cruz. We'll be bringing you the newest edition of events going on right in our community, so stay tuned.
8: Hey, Edgar, what kind of movies do you enjoy?
9: Well, I must say, my favorite movies include those recreating Israeli and Palestinian history, but that might just be me.
8: Oh, really? Well, if you go to the Guild Cinema on August 24th at 6.15 p.m., Maybe you can meet other people who enjoy the same kind of movies.
9: I knew I couldn't be the only one with such good taste in classic recreations.
8: The Guild Cinema is showing a stop-motion animation called The Wanted 18.
9: The Wanted 18 is a film based on the true story of when the Israeli army claimed that an independent Palestinian collective farm was a threat to the national security of the state of Israel, and the farm was forced to go underground.
8: You'll have to catch the film to hear more.
9: That sounds wonderful. Thank you, Kenya. For more information on that event, call the Albuquerque Center for Peace and Justice at 505 268 9557.
8: You know what I like almost as much as movies? Books.
9: Well, if you're interested in the work of Harper Lee and her book, go set a watchman, join BookWorks for a panel discussion, get the scoop on the controversy around her sequel to her beloved book, To Kill a Mockingbird. You won't want to miss it.
8: The panel will include Sharon Ord Warner a creative writing professor at UNM and director of the Taos Writers Conference.
9: Lisa Walden, UNM bookstore manager. Carolyn Flynn, Southern short story writer and longtime newspaper editor.
8: And Hakeem Balami, inaugural Albuquerque poet laureate.
9: Hakeem even played Tom Robinson in the 2014 production of To Kill a Mockingbird right here in Albuquerque.
8: When will it be, Edgar?
9: On Tuesday, August 25th,
8: Make sure you show up to BookWorks on Rio Grande Boulevard at 7 p.m.
9: And if you're busy during the week, we have an event for you this weekend as well, especially if you're looking to witness some of the awesome work done in the Aviation Department.
8: Drop by for the Experimental Aircraft Association's 179th Flying Event held on Saturday, August 29, 2015.
9: This event features static aircraft displays, aircraft judging, kids' activities, and much more.
8: And when is this event?
9: It starts at 8 a.m. at Double Eagle Two Airport.
8: Awesome. That sounds exciting.
9: The Experimental Aircraft Association, also known as the EAA, is a group of recreational pilots, aircraft builders, and aviation enthusiasts.
8: They love to share their passion for aviation with the general public, promote aviation safety and education, and serve the local aviation community.
9: If you'd like to learn more, you can visit www.eaa179.org.
8: If aviation isn't your thing and you're looking to check out and share other people's craftiness, Edgar has just the event for you.
9: Albuquerque Mini Maker will be hosting a two-day fair starting this Saturday, August 29th.
8: This event is a celebration for the maker movement. This is where people will be sharing what they are making and what they are learning.
9: You can exchange crafty ideas, inspiration, and innovation with people of all ages and talents. This is an event for the whole family to have fun.
8: You can join in on this fun this Saturday at the Albuquerque Balloon Museum from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m.
9: If you can't make it Saturday, you can still come check out the fair on Sunday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m.
8: And if you have any more questions, you can learn more from makerfairebq.com. They also provide cool information for all the makers of Albuquerque, whether you're an inventor, a storyteller, a builder, an artist, or a musician.
9: Speaking of musicians, the last event on this edition of our community calendar is the Albuquerque Record Convention.
8: At this convention, there will be people coming from all around the United States to see collections of over 100,000 CDs, tapes, albums, all for a wide variety of music genres and artists.
9: The Record Convention will be held on Sunday, August 30th at the Elegante Hotel Ballroom on Minal from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m.
8: For more information, you can contact Mike or Jackie Walsh at 505-281-9215.
9: That's it for Community Calendar. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Edgar Cruz.
1: I'm Kenya Alonzo.
9: Now back to our hosts, Jonathan and Tamara.
1: Thank you, Edgar and Kenya, for sharing these beautiful events. Now back to Chantel. This next song is We Are for the Love of Water, a
4: collaboration of South African and international artists of the United Nations. World Water Day. I chose this song because it is is beautiful and water is what I live for. Let's take a listen. Take the space between us You are not a stranger I am made of water so
1: we have reached the end of tonight's program. Thank you all for joining us this evening as we have heard from our youth about the impacts of the Animas and San Juan River contamination. This
2: program was very powerful and probably one of my favorite ones so far.
1: I agree, Jonathan. I believe it was also very important for us to share these voices tonight. Thanks again to Zachariah Ben, Kevin Aspis, and Byron Shorty of the Northern Diné Youth Committee. And thank you, Polly and Jordan, for our interviews. Also, thanks to Kenya Alonzo and Edgar Cruz for tonight's community calendar. Production assistance came from Polly Dinecla, Jordan Unverzat, Christina Rodriguez, George Luna Pena, Melissa Harris, Camaria Umi, and Roberta Rail. And shout out to my co host, Jonathan. It is his first time on air. Woo! <laughs> as well as Kenya and Chantel. You all did an amazing job. And last but not least, much appreciation to all our youth members. We couldn't do what we do without you.
2: Stay connected with us. Check out our website, GenerationJustice.org, where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists read our blogs, watch videos, and much, much more. Also, our podcasts are available on iTunes, so be sure to
1: subscribe. We're also active on social media, so please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K.
2: Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the McCune Foundation and colm Alma Foundation. And, of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate.
1: I'm Jonathan Alonzo. And I'm Tamara Kalaki. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word, so stay tuned, and we'll see you next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Remember, water is life. Honor the earth, save water, and protect life. Now back to Chantel for our closing music. Tonight's last songs
4: will be 2013 Earth Revolution by Takaya Blaney and What the Frack by the Earth Guardians. I hope you enjoy them. I was your music host for tonight, Chantal Gurley. Th- good night and thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Generation Justice.
6: My name is Takaya Blaney. I'm 11 years old and I'm proud to say that I come from the Slyman nation. <clears throat> and I'm proud to say that my k- kupa and my chichi are Robert Blaney and Elizabeth Blaney. Hey. In my culture, it's a fact.
9: It's an understanding of our way of life that everything is connected. The fish and the eagle, the herring and the whale. Each and every species plays its
1: part in the circle of life.